four, three, three, two, two, one, one, go, go. Welcome to the Beyond Devices podcast. My name is Jan Dawson and with me is Aaron Miller. This is our question of the week episode for this week and it's going to be a deep dive on uh, voice as an interface and who's winning, uh, so to speak, in uh, the voice assistant market and the kind of related markets that are growing up around that right now. So this will be our deep dive question of the week episode. We'll have our usual news roundup on Friday as well. One quick note, I started doing something new this week separately from this. You won't find it in the Beyond Devices podcast feed. Uh, I started something called the Tech Narratives podcast. This is uh, quite a different take. So whereas our two Beyond Devices podcast episodes each week are more of a sort of deep dive, one on a specific topic, one on three or four major news items from the week. The Tech Narratives podcast is a quick run through of each weekday's big tech news. So Tech Narratives is a site I've talked about here quite a bit. Uh, the podcast really is a complement to that, takes the items I've covered there each weekday uh, I've been pushing it out about sort of 4 or 5 p.m. Uh, mountain time where I'm based, so sort of evening, uh, eastern time, late afternoon, Pacific time, U.S., uh, and just rounds up sort of one minute per item, the major news of the day. So the first episode was about nine minutes, the second one was about 14, 15 minutes, slightly more news that day. Um, so check that out if you find this uh, podcast useful. You might find that an, an interesting addition to your podcast listening. So on to today's Question of the Week episode. Um, and I'm going to do deep dive, as I said, on voices and interface and specifically who's winning in that area. And, and this is really driven by a narrative that's emerged in the market over the last couple of years here that Amazon is somehow uh, dominating the voice space and that voice is in turn the next big interface that kind of voice is what's going to replace smartphones and everything else. So this is the, the user interface of the future and that Amazon is kind of winning that and therefore Amazon is this uh, extraordinarily powerful player going forward in interfaces and devices and so on. And so that's the narrative that's been emerging. Uh, and we really wanted to just kind of discuss that. And there's kind of a couple of big parts to it. But that's really what we wanted to do a deep dive on this week on the Question of the Week episode. So I've been sort of pulling together some numbers and various other things on this. It's obviously a topic that I cover quite closely day to day as well. So I'll be answering the questions and Aaron will be asking them. So Aaron, over to you for the first question. Well, I think the question we have to start with has to do with voices and interface more generally. Um, there, there's a lot of enthusiasm about the idea that voice is the next big user interface for computing, and then also a fair amount of cynicism. So why don't you start with your perspective on that for us, Jan? Is, is voice the next big user interface? Yep, absolutely. So I think that is the place to start here. And I think the reason for that is, again, part of this narrative is you know, voice is the next big thing. It's going to replace, call it touchscreens, call it smartphones. You know, we're going to be using voice as our main way of interacting with things. And um, I think the best answer to that question is voice is a next interface, but not the next interface. And the reason I say that is voice clearly is a very useful feature to have as part of a smartphone, as part of a home speaker. And we'll talk about that market specifically later on. It's clearly very useful. It's great when you've got your hands full. It's great when typing isn't convenient or possible for whatever reason. It's great when you're in the car and you don't want to be putting your hands on a device. You want to be hands-free and you want to uh, trigger commands, play music, answer a phone call, any number of other things. You know, there are certainly settings and scenarios in which voice is the best interface to use. And, you know, you go back five, six years, voice really wasn't a major interface unless you 
happen to use dictation software on your computer, perhaps for accessibility reasons. Today, it's clearly one of the main ways that we interact with our devices. So it's certainly a next user interface. But I think the other important caveat to that is it clearly can't be the user interface. Each of us could probably immediately think of a number of scenarios in which voice is utterly inappropriate as a user interface. And uh, some of the sort of survey numbers out there sort of back this up. So uh, there's a survey from Creative Strategies, which is uh, an analyst firm that I'm quite close to. Uh, I work with the analysts at Creative Strategy on the Tech Pinions site. Um, they did a survey last year in which they asked people how they use various voice assistants and so on. And one of the things that came out of that is that usage of these things at work, for example, is very low. And usage in public is also very low. So for Siri specifically, I think the use in public was something like 3% of users use Siri at work, uh, in public, excuse me. I think it was only 12% for Android users. So very small minorities of people actually using these things in public. Well, most of us spend most of our time in public. That means that these voice interfaces are not the ones that we're going to be using throughout most of our daily lives as we go to work, to school, uh, to church, out shopping, you know, any number of other places. You know, we're not going to use them. Uh, at work specifically, there's some other numbers and I can't find them uh, just right now. But uh, oh, here we go. 1.3% usage at work. So, uh, you know, that's the smallest number of all. So even smaller than in public in general. And again, that's for a number of reasons. But for one, most of us work in offices where we're surrounded by other people. It would be disruptive to others. It would invade our privacy for us to do some of this stuff out loud. Uh, there are just much better ways to do some of these things when we're at work or out in public. Conversely, in the car is where these things are the most used. So Siri usage in the car is 62%. Android's equivalent is about 37%. You know, very high usage in the car where, again, hands-free is really important. Voice is the best interface. So I think the best summary, uh, kind of as I said up front, is voice is certainly a next user interface. It's one that's growing uh, as it gets increasingly capable uh, you know, in terms of better at voice recognition, better at natural, natural language processing as the assistants and so on that we want to use with our voices get better at being able to serve up intelligent responses and act on commands that they're given and so on. This is absolutely going to grow as a way that we interact with our various devices. However, it's never going to be the way that we interact with these things. Touchscreens, typing, uh, touching buttons and so on uh, and various other ways of interacting with devices and the world in general are going to continue to be a very important part of the total and probably still the majority of interactions will be non-voice interactions. So this idea that voice is the next big thing that is going to replace a lot of the things that we use today is inaccurate. It's going to be a partial substitution at best. It's going to be one of a number of user interfaces that we use. Well, and what's so interesting about that is where the battle seems to be waged right now as far as voice goes is, is not at work nor even in the car it seems like it's mostly at home at least that's where the focus is mm. so why don't you why don't you talk a little bit about the major players in in this voice assistant and voice interface battle that that's that's uh, going on right now yeah absolutely so there are arguably sort of four major voice assistants out there today and there are some others out there as well that might be worth mentioning briefly the four big ones are the sort of three smart device based ones so You've got Siri, obviously, on various Apple devices. You've got what's now called the Google Assistant, but has had a whole variety of different names and for a long time really went without a specific name on Google devices. Um, you've got Cortana, which is Microsoft's Assistant, which, yes, it's on Windows phones, but there are very few of those, but it's also on Windows 10. 
on PCs, laptops, and so on. And then you've got Amazon's Alexa, which is the vast majority of its usage is on Amazon's own hardware, including notably the Echo line of devices. It is available to third parties. There are third parties announcing integration with other devices. Those are a tiny fraction of the overall market right now. There are others as well. So Samsung recently launched Bixby, which it very carefully describes as a voice interface rather than a voice assistant. Uh, and that's an important thing we might come back to later on. Um, and then there are various other third-party players as well. So SoundHound has a Hound virtual assistant that's available as an app. It's actually very good, but it is just an app. It's not integrated with any platform today. Uh, and there are a number of other smaller players doing similar things out there as well. Some of them have been snapped up by the bigger players. So those are some of the big players in that market today. There are obviously other voice players out there. There's Nuance and a whole range of other companies that provide the underlying technologies and in many cases provide other voice products, but they're typically not assistants per se. They're often dictation software or things like that. So I'm largely going to leave those out of this conversation and focus on voice assistants. So those are the major players out there today. Uh, and each of them plays in a slightly different way. So Siri is a really a sort of a cross-device but sort of single ecosystem player. You know, it's exclusively available on Apple devices, but increasingly available on almost all Apple devices. So obviously started out on the iPhone, but it's also on the iPad, uh, iPod Touches to the extent that those are still out there as well. It's on the Mac, it's on the Apple Watch. There's a version of it on the Apple TV that's sort of optimized for that device. And of course, it'll be coming on the HomePod later in the year as well. Uh, so that's out there. Uh, the Google Assistant's relatively new. It's only about a year old at this point. It was announced at I.O. last year made its debut on the Google Pixel late last year as a smartphone and also on the Google Home, home speaker device. Um, it has now this year started to make its way onto other Android devices as well. It took a number of months for Google to open it up in that way. We've talked about that before, how that may have been a mistake, but it is now starting to become more prevalent on other Android smartphones as well. And then you've got Cortana, which as I mentioned is on Windows phones, but the main place it's being used is in Windows PCs. And it's also starting to be released as a platform for third-party speakers and so on. And so Harman Kardon's making one of those. A couple of other companies are making speakers that will feature Cortana as well. None of those have actually been released into the market yet. And then, as I said, you've got Amazon's Alexa, uh, which is the, the name of their voice assistant, that debuted on the Amazon Echo. And there are now several members of that Echo family. So there's the original Echo, which is the sort of tall cylinder. There's a very squat sort of cylinder, which is the... Um, Echo, why am I blanking on this right now? <laughs> the dot. The dot. There we go, the dot. Right. Um, which is a sort of very short, flat version, uh, much cheaper. So the Amazon Echo is $180. The dot is $50 normally. It's had some discounts down to about $40 recently. There's a tap, which is really pretty marginal in the grand scheme of things, is one where you explicitly have to tap a button. But it's the portable one. So it's the one that has a bit of a battery inside it, and you can kind of uh, take it with you to various places for some things. If it's not on a Wi-Fi network, it no longer does the sort of full range of tasks. And then there are a couple of new devices in that um, Echo lineup as well. There's Echo Look, which has a camera and can uh, take pictures of you wearing, wearing different kinds of clothes and giving you recommendations and things like that. And there's the Echo Show, which just went on sale today. Uh, mine should be arriving in the next hour or two uh, for testing. Um, that is the one with a screen, uh, ostensibly sort of the kitchen computer type device. So a whole range of devices there. And then again, Alexa has been licensed for use by third parties. And we've seen some of those devices launch. The vast majority of them seem to be selling in very tiny numbers. But it's also being integrated into some cars with Ford, for example, being one partner and into a few other things. You've seen it integrated into some phones already. 
uh, and into some wearables and other things. Uh, so that's kind of the, the Alexa roundup. And then Bixby, as I mentioned, is Samsung's recent entry. It's just in beta testing in, in US English right now on the Samsung S8 and S8 Plus devices. Hasn't really formally launched. It started out Korean only. Uh, so that's out there as well. But that's described by Samsung as an interface rather than an assistant, mostly because it's it's for doing stuff on your phone, not so much for asking questions. And so that's why Samsung's avoided the assistant terminology. I think that's actually going to be a really tough thing for them to to convince people of. I think people think of all of these things as being somewhat the same. And so I think it's going to be tough for Samsung to compete in a slightly different market when it kind of looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and so on. So it's going to be a tough player. But those are the main players in the market today. Well, what's interesting to me about that is how important device integration seems to be here, right? It seems like to to really have any chance of people using you on a regular basis, there has to be some sort of integration that makes it easy to call up this assistant. um, Because, you know, for a device that's always listening, it's going to listen for a key phrase, for example, or, or there's a button that you press or hold down to make sure that the voice assistant comes up. Um, it, it seems like that's an important avenue for anybody to have success is device integration. Talk to us about who's winning and and why in this space, especially because, like you said, there definitely seems to be this narrative that Amazon is winning, even though they've limited themselves to devices that people stick on a counter somewhere. Right. Absolutely. And and I think that's the, the most important part of the narrative to kind of challenge and to critically evaluate is this idea that Amazon's winning. There is no question Amazon is winning in a very narrowly defined market, which is home speakers with voice interfaces. Um, Amazon dominates that market today. They're the major player there. The Google Home was kind of the second main player to come into that market uh, late last year, but still has sort of minority market share there, significantly smaller market share than Amazon Echo, and there's a couple of different uh, numbers that have been floating around recently. I think uh, some of them at least overestimate Google Home's share, frankly. I think it's probably still uh, 20% perhaps of the of the market today um, in the markets where it's available, and that's something that's worth noting about both the Echo and the Google Home is they're only available in very limited markets, just a handful. Um, and you know, new markets are announced, and you suddenly get reminded, actually, this isn't a global product by any stretch. It's only available in very few markets with, with language support fairly limited. Um, and so that's worth noting as well. Um, but yeah, as you say, integration is really critical. All of these things are part of an ecosystem. And you know, I mentioned SoundHound's Hound app, which is actually very good as an assistant, but it's an app, which means you'd have to unlock your phone, open the app, then press the button. So it sort of takes three actions to get to the point that you know a single uh, hold on the uh, home button on an iPhone, for example, or a single... Alexa uh, request to an Amazon Echo or you know their equivalents on other devices would get you to. So integration is a huge thing. I continue to be extremely skeptical that any of these assistants is going to do at all well on any third-party devices where they're not tightly integrated, where they're not uh, easy to summon with either a voice command or a, a push of a button or something else like that. Uh, and that's really important in the context of Alexa because, as I say, Alexa does and, and Echo definitely win if you define the market very narrowly as home speakers with voice assistants. But I see no real reason to define the market in that way. Voice assistants existed long before these home speakers came along, and the overall market for voice assistants is massively larger than just those home speakers. And so WWDC, about three weeks ago, Apple announced that Siri has 375 million 
uh, monthly active devices. So you know, some of those might be duplicate devices. It might be somebody using Siri on an iPad and an iPhone. So maybe call it 250 to 300 million act monthly active users. But that's you know how many people there are using Siri on a monthly basis. Many of them presumably using it daily. Um, Cortana, for example, Microsoft's Cortana has 140 million monthly active users, almost all of them likely on uh, Windows 10 or Windows phones. Uh, we don't have an equivalent number for Google's various voice products, mostly because it's so fragmented. Google Assistant's still just in the early days of rolling out on smartphones, so those numbers are likely very small, but they'll grow as the Android smartphone base gets upgraded to new versions of the OS. By contrast, the installed base of Alexa devices is probably around 15 to 20 million. Uh, so you're talking at least one order of magnitude smaller. And, and you know, in the case of uh, Siri, there are probably 20 times as many people using Siri regularly as there are using Alexa regularly. So that gives you some sense of sort of the real perspective, the real context for Amazon's current market share. Yes, it dominates in speakers, but if you look at the overall voice assistant market, there are good odds that Siri is by far the most adopted, most used product out there. And surveys really bear that out. And so I, I found a number of different surveys, some of them more recent, some of them a bit older, looking at these various voice assistants. Uh, there was a USA Today survey that came out uh, right around the time of WWDC by way of sort of a scene setter for the conference. And it found that Siri was the most used voice assistant. So roughly a third of respondents to that survey used Siri. And this is, you know, the overall US population. So this isn't just within iPhone users. This is a third of the US population using Siri uh, Google Assistant, and really by that I think they probably meant all Google Voice products, was second with just under 20%, and then Alexa was third with 6%. And so that puts Alexa in a useful context. You know, 6% of the population use Alexa. Um, so way, way behind the other two, um, you know, roughly a fifth of Apple's share of the market. Uh, importantly, though, none of the above was the largest response category. So 37% of the population don't use any voice assistants, and that's that's notable too. goes back to the point I made at the beginning about voice may be a next user interface, but certainly isn't the next user interface. Um, uh, so that's, you know, one survey. Um, another uh, survey, this is one from last year, again, from the, the one I mentioned earlier from Creative Strategies, 98% of iPhone users have used Siri, 96% of Android users have used the Google Voice products. Um, of those, though, you know, 70% of iPhone users only use Siri rarely or occasionally, so only about 30% using it regularly, um, and, and the number's a bit higher on, on Android for Google services, but overall Siri usage seems to be out on top. Um, but also in a number of surveys, Siri comes out on top in terms of usability and satisfaction. So there is, again, another narrative out there that Siri is terrible, that doesn't do its job well, and yet the actual surveys among regular people suggest that Siri actually has either the highest or among the highest satisfaction for voice assistants in terms of doing the things people actually want to do with these things and so on. So uh, I'm not going to make a blanket statement and say Apple is winning here, Siri is winning. Siri certainly seems to be the assistant with the broadest install base today and certainly has high satisfaction. But anybody who's used Siri and used these other products knows that there are some areas where Siri does better and some areas where it does worse and tends to do best for commands and things on the phone or sort of, sort of frequently asked questions in certain familiar categories. I think uh, Google Assistant does best for really obscure and long tail type questions 
Although the big risk with Google is always that it serves up what appears to be an authoritative answer that turns out to be inaccurate, especially in categories that are subject to conspiracy theories and things like that. So the other assistants tend to back off if they don't know the answer. Google tends to try to provide an authoritative answer every time, even at the risk of sometimes being completely misleading in that answer. Um, but in terms of winning, as I say, Siri has the broadest install base, high satisfaction. You know, I've got a Google Home in my home. I've got um, a couple of uh, Amazon Alexa devices that I'm testing at the moment. Uh, obviously, I've got Siri on various Apple devices as well. You know, my experience is each of them tends to be better at different things. Uh, but it's that integration that you talked about within the device that makes it powerful. So I never use Alexa on my iPhone, don't really use the Google Assistant on my iPhone, I have both apps installed, but I simply don't use them because it's too much hassle to get to them. It's much easier to use Siri or just go to a web search or something else where I, I feel like I'll get the answer quickly enough and don't need to go to those more specialized tools. I think one thing is worth mentioning, and that is that the devices on which these assistants run are very important in terms of their performance. So to take a step back for a second, there are really three components to being a good voice assistant. The first of those is voice recognition. In other words, do I properly hear uh, the words that you're actually saying and recognize the words accurately? The second one is natural language processing. In other words, turning a string of words into something that I as a computer can make sense of and act on. And then the third one is actually the sort of database or whatever you want to call it behind that, such that the command as properly understood can be uh, fed into it and come back with some kind of meaningful response. And one of the notable things about the Amazon Echo and the other devices from Amazon is that they are dedicated devices that have been designed entirely with this one single use case in mind, which is being really good at recognizing your voice, including from a number of feet away. The other devices, notably the smartphones from Apple and Android vendors, are primarily designed for being pocketable, for maximum battery life, for uh, maximum screen size, various other things that have nothing to do with mic arrays or voice recognition or anything like that. Clearly, they've done the best job they can in terms of putting microphones that are good at voice recognition and so on into them, but there are limits to what you can do in a basically flat slab type device with limited space for putting microphones and, and limited size uh, in terms of the microphones themselves. So uh, in that sense, I think a lot of people have the impression that Alexa is better, that Echo is better at voice recognition, because it is. It Frankly, it's better hardware that's highly optimized for voice recognition, and therefore Amazon gets the first of those three components right more often because it's completely optimized for that use case of voice recognition, including far-field voice recognition. Uh, and the other devices that people use, mostly smartphones, to some extent PCs, are less optimized for that use case and therefore less effective at that. Um, that shouldn't lead us to think that Alexa, as a voice assistant, is better. It simply currently lives almost exclusively in devices that are highly optimized for that use case. But the end result is it is better at those things. Google Home is also very good at the same things for the same reasons. Uh, and Google Assistant works better on Google Home than it does on smartphones for that very reason as well. So that's worth noting. And as obviously Apple comes out with HomePod later in the year, that'll be a really interesting and important test for the HomePod because it'll be the first time that Apple's computing on a level playing field with these other two home speaker devices with a device that's highly optimized for that use case. So that'll be worth watching. Um, 
but you know, in general, each of these assistants is, is better or worse at voice recognition, better or worse at natural language processing, and better or worse at actually serving up a useful answer. I'd argue that in that third category, Google is the strongest because it has the Google search engine and uh, you know, this massive database of possible answers to, to questions. And it's very good at understanding even questions it hasn't heard before. Many of uh, these Google search queries are famously questions that have never been asked before. And that gets to that second point about natural language processing as well. So I'd argue Google is probably the strongest on the second and third components. I think they're all pretty good on the first component. They're obviously better on devices that are highly optimized for that use case. Um, one interesting thing in the context of search and, and so on is uh, I found a, a survey uh, that suggested that um, uh, Siri is actually the second most popular mobile search engine after Google. Uh, and Google obviously dominates. It's got 80-something percent overall share. I think it's 90% on Android devices and more like 80% on uh, Apple devices. But Siri was second overall in the market, including Android devices. And if you narrow it down to just Apple devices, it has 13% share as the primary search engine that people use on their device. Uh, and that's obviously tiny compared to Google still, but it's notable that people do see Siri as a search engine and that it performs that task well enough that there is a, a minority, but you know, a decent minority of people that use it that way, and presumably many others that use it as a secondary search engine, perhaps in certain use cases or scenarios. So at any rate, the simple answer to the question about who's winning is impossible to tell. Amazon is winning in the home speaker market by market share for today. Google second, Apple isn't there. Really nobody else has meaningful market share. In the voice assistant market, in a broader sense, Siri has the biggest user base, uh, higher satisfaction in most of the surveys out there, but each of the assistants is good at different things, and there's no overall outright winner in terms of performance. Uh, each of them does better in different elements among those three components that I talked about. So part of the narrative in this space seems to tie the the winning award to not not so much that anybody is one and is dominant, but that some groups have momentum and others don't. Um, I, I think what's, and I want you to kind of tell me what you think about this argument, because the, the idea is that Amazon is winning, not because they have more people using their voice assistant, but because they seem to be moving faster in this space, right? They're releasing more unique products. Um, they're integrating more third parties. Uh, they kind of came out of nowhere and all of a sudden can do this um, thing. There's a perception that Amazon is quote-unquote winning not by numbers but by momentum they seem to be moving in a, in a in a quicker pace whereas apple sort of started out this race at the pole position with siri um and and siri to some people feels stagnant over the last couple of years so tell me what you think about this argument of winning as it ties to apparent momentum yeah absolutely and I, I think um i think there's some um merit to that argument frankly i think apple has moved siri forward fairly slowly and and some of that is i think they felt the role for siri was limited and you know when it first launched it kind of did most of what they thought it needed to do and you know apple you know for all its enormous scale and profitability and all the rest of it is a resource constrained company it's a company that hires uh, very few new people uh, and whose overall employee base is relatively small for the, the size of its revenues and so on and therefore which prioritizes which of its products and services get the investment. And Siri has not had anywhere near the, the level of focus or investment uh, that some of the competing products have had and as such has moved somewhat slowly over time. Um, it, it also probably doesn't help that Apple tends to 
uh, only upgrade Siri once a year so that you know Amazon's Alexa and the Google Assistant and other competing products tend to get updates throughout the year, regular feature announcements and so on. And so you get a whole slew of features from the other companies in the 11 months when Apple is out announcing absolutely nothing about Siri. Um, and then, of course, once a year, you do get a big leap forward with Siri, at least in the last couple of years. And so last year, you obviously had Siri extensions, which suddenly allowed for a half a dozen new domains in which Siri could control third-party applications and so on. So that was a big leap forward for Siri. And there were a number of other upgrades that were made last year. You know, this year, um, the changes announced at WWDC included uh, translation uh, for, uh, four, four languages uh, out of U.S. English only for now, but uh, Chinese, French, German, Italian. Um, Siri speaks or recognizes 21 languages in 36 countries. So, uh, you know, language support on Siri is still far and away ahead of the others, but Apple doesn't tend to talk about that a great deal. And from a user perspective, it's hard to be aware of that if you live in a country like the US where it's available. But if you live in France, for example, you can't buy an Amazon Echo and use it today. Uh, you, even if you live in Canada, frankly, I think it's still the case. So, um, that's notable. There are some new Siri domains this year. So ahead of those six that were announced last year, there are a couple of new ones this year as well. Uh, the voice for Siri was improved this year using deep learning to make it more expressive and less computer-like, for example. Uh, and there's more proactive stuff and various other things. And then there's the sort of more interactive nature. So there is subtle changes being made in Siri. So it is moving forward, but these announcements are made once a year. And so it feels like a slower pace. And frankly, Siri is already much further ahead in a number of these areas, notably language support than Alexa. And so Amazon does have to move forward in order to catch up in some of these areas. Um, but, you know, Apple's vision for Siri and what it needs to be is also very different because it has a lot of other in ways to interact with these devices. Whereas for Amazon's Echo and the other members of that family, Alexa is the interface. And so on the uh, Echo show that is launching this week, for example, it has a touchscreen, but you can't use the touchscreen for a lot of stuff. It's, the screen is mostly a display with just a couple of very small areas where you can actually use it as an interface for touching and interacting with things. And so the focus of each company is different in that sense. And so, uh, you know, the Alexa voice features have to move forward much further and much faster because they have to kind of handle everything Whereas on an iPhone, for example, there are lots of other ways to get stuff done. And so Siri has been used by Apple in a much more limited, more focused way. The same thing to some extent goes for the Google Assistant and so on as well. So I think it's partly reflective of that. But as I say, there is some merit to this fact. Amazon does seem to be moving quickly because they make announcements throughout the year because these products are new, because voice is the only interface. There are a whole range of reasons for that. Uh, but I think in the last couple of years, Apple's finally started to really move Siri along more as well. And so I think the argument's starting to have a little less merit over time in the grand scheme of things. Let's just wrap this up then with where voice is going to go from here. What do you think? Yeah, so I mean, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. I think voice is absolutely an interface that's going to grow in importance and significance and usage over the next few years because each of those three components that I mentioned is getting better there the uh, voice recognition, the natural language processing, and then the ability to serve up relevant responses to uh, what's recognized and processed. So you know, as those things continue to get better, people have greater faith and trust in them. People will use them more. And you know, this is reality. 98% of people have used Siri at some point if they own an iPhone, but only 30% use it fairly regularly. Uh, and as I said, only some very small percentage use it in public or at work. So all those numbers will go up over time uh, as people gain more confidence. They gain... 
uh, trust in these interfaces that they'll work first time because big barrier to usage is, is embarrassment or frustration. So you don't want to be asking three times for your device to do something. You give up on it and you never use it for that again. And so, you know, as these things get better at some of these things and people's perceptions change, uh, usage will increase. And certainly, you know, the home speaker market is is a really interesting one. You know, all credit to Amazon for discovering a category where nobody knew there was a need. Uh, and fulfilling it very well and, and really gaining a lot of positive attention around that and creating devices that are very effective at what they do. Um, and it's notable, you know, one of the surveys that I, I read was talking about why people use these different devices. And on Android and iPhone, by far the biggest reason people use them is it's easier or faster than typing. Well, for Amazon Echo, typing obviously isn't an option. The main reason people use them is fun. And so, you know, what Amazon's really done is created a sort of new category of um of consumption, essentially, you know, where there wasn't one. Uh, and it's sort of a fun thing to have. It's useful for sure, setting timers and all that kind of stuff in the kitchen. But it's also sort of a fun device. And, you know, that's the first new category that's really just kind of pure fun in quite a while, I think. Uh, and, you know, that's a category that's going to expand. And obviously Google's in there now. Apple's coming later this year. They're not going to take majority market share there. The, the pricing and the focus of the HomePod means it's going to be, you know, one of the smaller players in the market, probably potentially bigger than Google over time, but probably not as big as Amazon, especially given Amazon has a sort of Chromecast-like focus on the Echo Dot, which is so cheap that they can sell lots and lots of them and have people put them throughout their homes, much as Chromecast has come to dominate the TV category, even though what it does is far more limited than, say, a Roku device or an Apple TV device. Um, so we're going to see some interesting stuff with market share there. But Apple will become a player there. That'll be a useful complement. And as I said earlier, an important test of Apple's ability to do voice recognition really well on a device that's highly optimized for that use case, but also to try to bridge two categories between the sort of voice speaker market and then the sort of home, whole room or whole home audio market like Sonos plays in and, and Bang & Olufsen and some other players as well. So, you know, I, I think we'll continue to see really strong competition between the four players that I mentioned at the beginning. Each of them has a somewhat different focus. Amazon's going to dominate the sort of dedicated home devices for now, but we're going to continue to struggle to really play outside of the home because of the integration issue that we mentioned earlier. Google's going to become a very significant competitor, but mostly on the smartphone. Apple will continue to be a very strong competitor on the smartphone and other devices, and to a lesser extent on these dedicated home devices as well. So it's going to be a really interesting dynamic between all of these players. Um, again, voice becoming more important, but lots of other interfaces still out there. And that's going to be the big challenge for Amazon. Apart from getting out of the home, it's going to be getting onto those other devices and having a meaningful interface and a meaningful share of platforms and interfaces on other device categories because we're still going to be spending a lot of time on those devices using other types of interfaces and Amazon's still a non-player in most of those markets or a very small player, for example, in the tablet market. So that's kind of the state of things today. I think that's kind of how things are going to go in future. Um, you know, shaping up to be a, a super interesting market, but the, the prevailing narratives, both in terms of the significance of voice and the dominance of Amazon, both overblown, uh, need to be kind of pared back a bit to reflect the real reality of the market today. Well, that's that's great stuff, Jan. Thanks for all your hard work on uh, prepping for this episode. Thanks, Aaron, for answering asking the uh, questions as well. Uh, as I said, this is the first of our two episodes this week. We'll do our news roundup episode on Friday where we'll talk about all the major tech news from the week. 
uh, or rather pick sort of a handful of those big news items and discuss them in some depth. I would guess that the Google EU uh, fine would certainly be part of that. We might end up talking about Facebook's 2 billion monthly active user milestone as well and some other stuff as well. It's only Wednesday. Who knows what else might be announced for the rest of the week. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll point out that there is this Tech Narrative daily podcast out there now as well. So Tech Narrative podcast, if you search for that on Overcast or iTunes or your favorite podcast software, it should pop up there as well. Uh, and uh, you can check that out as a sort of daily quick dive into the day's tech news. So thanks very much for listening. Again, we'll have another episode for you on Friday. That'll be our News Roundup episode. As always, we welcome your feedback and comments, uh, even requests for future questions of the week. We always love to get new ideas on that as well. So thanks very much. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.